Hi. <laughs> We've been out of this a while. I don't even remember the last time we recorded. It's been so long. Hey guys, it's uh, we're back with Book Talks Podcast. We kind of forgot how to do this thing because I think it's been a month since we recorded. But we are back and I'm Kayla. I'm Marissa. And welcome to Book Talks Podcast. So this, I guess month, I usually say week, but I'm going to say month. This month we read Atomic Love, which was our August book of the month pick. But we (laughs) were just... We had so many books we were reading, and we were late with our other recordings, so we just didn't get around to reading it until now, and then we were, like, super busy with work, so we just finished it. I mean, I thought it was a good book. I don't think Marissa agrees with me. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> but it was definitely a different book. I don't normally read historical fiction, so I was happy with the change of pace. Would you say the same, Marissa? I... Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you have to give us more. I don't care if it's night nice. No, no, no. Like I, so I do like history. So I was really looking forward to this book. I I enjoy the history of it. I had other issues with this book though. My favorite part of the book was actually when it ended. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I feel like we probably should explain why we picked this book. Out of all the book of the month picks, I feel like that month had some good choices, or at least we were torn between two. I forget which mm-hmm. one we were torn between. It was that Cassidy Holmes book. Oh, because we just recently read Daisy Jones. We're like, oh, this sounds just like Daisy Jones and the Six. And then we wanted a love triangle, so we picked Atomic Love, which mm-hmm. I don't really think it's a love triangle. Do you? Yeah. No, there was no contest. Yeah, no, it definitely was not a love triangle. I guess we could talk about, like, historical fiction books. Have you ever read a historical fiction book that you like? It depends on what you mean by historical fiction. I I would say I read period pieces, but not necessarily historical fiction, if that makes sense. No, that makes sense. I think this is my first historical fiction. I guess maybe we probably read something in school, I would assume. I remember parts of books you read in high school, but, like, not the names... I mean, I know the basics, but not like what I don't know distinctly what I read. And I feel like I probably read something there, but I'm going to Google like best historical fiction because I want to see what's like popular. Oh, one of the books I wanted to read is listed. It's like All the Lights We Cannot See. I wanted to read that because in one of Candy Steiner's books, it was one of the Whiskey Brothers' favorite books. I was like, I really want to read this book just because I love when books mention other books. Uh huh. So I want to, we're going to read that one day. Maybe it'll redeem our historical fiction thing. Yeah, if anybody's ever read that book, let us know, because I'm only intrigued because one of my favorite characters has read it, and um, he's a fictional character, so I don't know if it's actually good, but I feel like I've heard really good things about it. Yeah. Looking through these lists of historical fiction books, I have not read historical fiction. (laughs) A Tale of Two Cities is on there, and I did read that in high school, but I could not tell you what it's about at this point so I do not read historical fiction ever (laughs) no I am super on the romance train which I love romance like I just especially sometimes I love an easy read that's just so corny that I absolutely love it but sometimes I need some substance and I feel like this book had some substance in it and it had the hidden romance behind it, which I loved. I actually liked this book, and I didn't think I would, because you read it, you were reading it first, and you're like, I hate this book. And I was like, <laughs> I was like dr- pulling my feet with it. I was like, I don't want to start it. I was like reading every other book beforehand, and then I was like, finally, I need to read this because we need to record. And I liked it. I finished it in like two days. 
That's awesome. It took me over a month to read. <laughs> you didn't read it all. Like, you read like for no, like two months you didn't pick it up. For two weeks you didn't pick it up. I, I had a different feeling about it than you did. But I think it came down to the writing style because the plot itself is interesting. And I actually like would really enjoy the plot if it were written by a different author. I think we should talk this. We forgot to just say the synopsis. We did. So we actually have our friend Lily on the line with us, but she did not read the book with us. She just wanted to drink wine with us and record. So, so Lily, Lily, please give hi. the synopsis of the book. <laughs> hi, guys. <laughs> so, Lily, I call Marissa the synopsis queen because she always gives a really good synopsis. She reads um, off the back of the book really well. I do. Really? <laughs> <laughs> it's all from the top of my head I just have the synopsis memorized every time Jesus you're crazy <laughs> Lily I'm reading off the back of the book <laughs> no, okay I can do this okay so Marissa's going to give us the synopsis I, before we dive into the reading style and more about the book because I feel like we didn't explain the book at all we just kind of dove into historical fictions yeah so this book love desire betrayal her choice could save a nation uh rosalind porter has always defied expectations in her work as a physicist on the manhattan project and in her passionate love affair with colleague thomas weaver five years after the end of both her guilt over the bomb and her heartbreak over weaver are intertwined she desperately misses her work in the lab yet has almost resigned herself to a more conventional life so for those of you who don't know, she kind of gets fired from her job and ends up working in this like little store. And it kind of sucks for her because she's a brilliant scientist. Anyway, then Weaver gets back in touch and so does the FBI. Ooh, weird. Special Agent Charlie Sidelow. Sidelow, is that how you've been saying it? <laughs> I was just calling it S. I didn't really know how to pronounce that one. <laughs> yeah, we'll just call him Charlie S. He wants Rosalind to spy on Weaver, remember, that's her former lover, whom the FBI suspects of passing nuclear secrets to Russia. She helped to develop these secrets and knows better than anyone the devastating power such knowledge holds. But can Rosalind spy on the man she still loves, despite her better instincts? At the same time, something about Charlie draws her in. He's a former prisoner of war haunted by his past, just as her past haunts her. As Rosalind's feelings for each man deepen, so too does the danger she finds herself in. She will have to choose the man who taught her how to love or the man her love might save. So, like I said, the plot sounds so good. It was, right? yeah, the plot was good. I didn't have an issue with the writing style, but I also don't study writing style. I, yeah. when I took high school English, I'm lucky I passed at that point. <laughs> um, if my English teacher knew I had a reading podcast, he would probably like, he just would not believe me because I was just not a reader in high school. I read books. I read like Twilight and stuff like that, but I didn't really read and I didn't write well. So I didn't study writing styles like Marissa has. So I feel like she nitpicks it more, especially with words, <laughs> whereas like I'll just I read do. the book. So I like the story behind her writing. One question though, I'm wondering, like, how accurate is this? Like, I know it's a story and it's not real, but like, were women even working as scientists back then? Were women working as scientists on the, we'll check the Manhattan Project. I looked, I typed that in, and it says, women played an important role as secretaries. (laughs) 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 It said, women played an important role across the Manhattan Project complex. They worked as nurses, teacher, librarian, and secretaries. (laughs) So, 
that's why I'm like, is, well, like, I know it's a fictional book, but how accurate is this even being? And the fact that I thought back then it was all frowned upon to have sex before marriage. And this girl's like, just going out there. She's not even asking for a ring. Yeah, no, this book itself defies history in a lot of ways because you have her gay best friends, her as a woman on the Manhattan Project. I didn't really think women were on the Manhattan Project, but I don't know enough about history to know for sure. And then, like you said, all the, like, extramarital sex and stuff. And her, like, living alone. I mean, I guess, I again, I don't study history as much as I should. And I did love history growing up. I didn't put two and two together that, like, I feel like I knew about the bombs in Japan. and I, But I didn't really put piece it all together until the end of the book. I was like, oh, my God, I learned all about this in high school. But <laughs> <laughs> like, I was just waiting. Like, <laughs> Is this based on a real thing? <laughs> Like, it didn't hit me, and I don't know why, because I'm like, this is historical fiction, it's the war, like, I don't know, they literally put it in bold print, this actually happened, but I didn't really think it did, until the end, I was like, oh my god, <laughs> the H-bomb. <laughs> that is amazing. <laughs> uh, but I'm not 100% sure that women are in the Manhattan Project, I mean, there's a big article that I could read right now. It says that people write about women scientists on the Manhattan Project in their day in the sun, but I guess there's not facts. I'm not 100% sure. So we are unsure if there are women in the Manhattan Project. If you guys do know, let us know because I'm just curious of how did she fact check this book at all? <laughs> did she just write okay. a book and threw some World War references in there? <laughs> also, when was the bombing of Pearl Harbor and all of this? Because wasn't this World War Two? Yeah, Pearl Harbor's when the U.S. got involved in the war. So we stayed out of the war for a while, actually. When did Japan bomb Pearl Harbor? Google man, our <laughs> best friend right here. <laughs> yeah, that happened in December of 1941. And World War II started in 1939. So we waited like two years to even get involved in the war. And then it lasted until 45. So, okay. Long war. I just read something. I think this... I think Rosalind Porter is based on an actual woman. There's a woman named Leona Woods Marshall Libby. Wait, that's a long name. <laughs> oh, sorry. I wasn't expecting her name to go on so long. Okay. Leona Woods Marshall Libby, she was a young physicist who was a graduate student at the University of Chicago during the early years of World War II. Listen to this. When Enrico Fermi's group undertook the crucial mission of producing a controlled self-sustaining nuclear fission chain reaction. That sounds a lot like Rosalind Porter working for Fermi. It would make sense if she based off a real character. I mean, I don't think the whole secret spy and the love affair is, was real, but right. it would make sense for her to base off a woman in science because she does seem like a powerful woman in this time. Like, she is defying all social norms. She's working in science. She doesn't really want to be a housewife. She lives alone. She has sex before marriage. I don't think she's very religious, and I feel like religion was pretty important at that time period. So she defines most social norms, and she's pretty, like, groundbreaking. So it would be cool to base off a real person. Yeah. I hope they would. I wish they would say it in the back of the book. Like, is, like in the end of movies, they say, like, is based off a real person. So that was our take on I don't know what you just talked about. Oh that's really <laughs> <No idea. laughs> I'm so out of this podcast game. Are we even being I funny? Know. I don't think so. <laughs> 
I'm just hoping we can cut it together in a way that makes it seem like we're okay and know what we're doing. Lily, were you listening? When did the U.S. enter World War II? Mute. Lily has left the building. Lily, before Lily. you joined, I wrote, I said lolly, and I don't know how why I said that. <laughs> oh, sorry. I was making food, and I'm also doing this. Yeah, just uh, ignore me for now. Ma'am, please use your words. <laughs> I have no idea what I'm doing. I think my wine's kicking in. <laughs> <laughs> also, Marissa, you tell us about your road trip. So another reason why we didn't record sooner is because Marissa and our friend Lily, who's online, went on a road trip. Where did you guys go exactly? Utah. All the hey. national parks in Utah. Apparently this is Lily's podcast now. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know you were gonna talk or not at all. Okay, maybe I should uh, mute myself. <laughs> no, 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 I'm kidding. But yes, I can confirm we did go to Utah. Where else did you go? That's it? You went to Utah? Well, like we went to different national parks in Utah. So Arches, Zion, Lily, where else did we go? Um, Bryce, uh, Flat, Salt Flats. Um, arches. <laughs> you guys sound so educated on their last trip. <laughs> wow, we have no idea where we went. <laughs> they went to the Grand Canyon too. Check out our Bookstagram oh, yeah. account to check out their most recent photos. We posted some. But so we, Marissa's traveling and then I was traveling upstate New York and I went apple picking and went to the wineries. So we've just been traveling. We kind of enjoyed our last like end of September. We just finished our work busy season and we're kind of celebrating our first year anniversary at our jobs. Mm-hmm. So we are now getting back to doing thing. We have more downtime. So we are going to record more. So we are sorry. We're so sorry we stayed away. We're going to have Thriller October minus mm-hmm. this book. Thriller October, so we're going to read some mysteries, we're going to read some thrillers, and just get all in our spooky feels, because I absolutely love Halloween. It's my favorite time of the year. October is my favorite month. My birthday is October 30th, so that's why, and I was like, they before Halloween, so I feel like I've been like a Halloween baby my whole life, and I just love the whole vibe of it all. But I don't know if, like what Halloween's going to be like now because of Corona, but I bought a costume. Should I say what I'm going to be? I actually don't know what I'm going to be. So I've never seen the movie Top Gun, but I got the Top Gun costume. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like, I'm going to be Top Gun for Halloween. They're like, you can't be Top Gun. Like, that's a movie. Like, you have to be a character in Top Gun. And I was like, oh, like, I probably should watch the movie then. (laughs) (laughs) So are you going to wear, like, aviators? Yeah, I got aviators. I got the little dress costume. It's really cute. And then I got, like, fishnets um i don't know what she's gonna wear yet but um they like gave me two name tags to wear i kind of forgot what the name said now but i can be like one of two i can be one of two characters so or i can be both like on different days (laughs) or you can just be top gun i can just be top gun (laughs) (laughs) if someone asks me you're gonna be probably gonna be like i'm top gun they'll be like what I kind of wish I had a bookish Halloween costume, but I'm not that creative, and it was just so much easier to buy a costume online. But if anybody has a really good bookish costume, let us know, because I, not that I need ideas, but maybe for next year, inspiration. 
Mm-hmm. So let's, we talked about a little bit about Rosalind, but let's talk about all the characters and who is our favorite. And I guess just talk more about the book. So a question I have is, and it kind of based on the fact that we, things we've already said, Rosalind Bourne is an independent, intelligent woman trying to make a difference in a male-dominant field. Do you relate to her in the society struggles? And if so, how? Hmm, that's a good one. That's like, gosh, I feel like I'm in AP English or something. Um, that's a hard hit. Yeah. I didn't necessarily relate to Rosalind per se. I guess I could see how I'm similar in that, like, oh, I'm a woman in business working to break that glass ceiling or whatever. But I've never viewed myself that way. Like, I personally haven't encountered barriers yet in my career as a woman in business. So, like, Rosalind Porter has definitely encountered barriers. I mean, she's a woman in the 1940s being a scientist. That's pretty much, like, the biggest barrier you can have. So, I didn't necessarily relate to her, but I definitely respected her. And I do wish the author had gone into more detail about her because there was nothing I really hated about Rosalind. I like a complex character who I can both love and hate, and I really just loved Rosalind. Yeah, I feel like there wasn't that many details. Like, yeah, we went to her backstory a, a good bit, and we went into her upbringing, but we didn't really know what she was thinking. Mm-hmm. It didn't go, I don't know, like, sometimes you read books in the first, like, and when they talk about their, like, thought process through situations, we didn't really get that from Rosalind a whole lot. We didn't get, like, the detailed thought process of all her emotions. I also yeah. feel like her love affairs went from zero to 100. <laughs> A.K.A. with yeah. Charlie. One minute this guy's stalking her, and the next minute she's, like, head over heels, wants him to bring him to bed the first night he's there for a break-in. And she's like, was it the same night? Yeah, she was very forward, with wanting to get him into her bed. I She was very forward in general. I was just, I guess I was shocked for the time period, but hey, it's all empowering. Like, you go, girl. We work in an office where women runs the entire thing, and most of my other internships I worked in, I had women bosses, so I never really had any struggle with being a woman in business, and I've always had women to look up to in the field. Oh, I had known what I was going to talk about now. Her ring, doesn't it say, like, bravest girl in the world? Yes. So, all the time she says she's not brave, like, whatever. She's very humble. And I don't think she means to be humble, but, like, she, I don't think she sees herself as pretty. I don't think she sees herself as smart. Uh, I guess she sees, she sees herself as being smart, but, like, I don't think she sees herself as being pretty or brave when she's just brave by being in her field at this time period. Mm-hmm. I don't think I would have the guts to do it. I think she was a little confusing in that sense because she kind of acts all meek and humble, like you said, like, oh, I'm just a woman and I don't probably belong here. But then she's like, Charlie, come to bed with me now. <laughs> and I'm like, this doesn't make sense. Like you say you're not brave, but then you do the bravest things. You're very forward. You're very like, um, what's the word, progressive for your time. But then you try and act like you're not brave. Like, Girl, get a clue. You are the bravest girl in the world. Yeah, I feel like she was uh, almost torn within herself of who she should be. And I guess I relate to that, too. Like, sometimes I want to be a badass, but I'm not sometimes. And you're just torn within yourself of how you should act. Yeah. But all respect to Rosalind. I think she's great. Her relationships with her family is kind of sad. Yes. Okay. With her mother, she died. She can't really do anything about that. But, like, with her father, there is 
essentially no relationship. Mm-hmm. The fact that his like father wanted to just like give her up and like he they and she knows about it is awful. And also the whole thing when her sister was like, as soon as she left the house, we got pregnant. Maybe you're bad luck. Like that just ruins someone's self esteem and sense yeah. of love. No wonder she doesn't want to accept marriage. Well, no wonder she goes to bed without back in this time. Like I don't want to talk bad about people going to bed without getting married, because I, I mean, in, during the 21st century, people do it all the time. But back then, it was, like, really unheard of. But, like, she also was brought up in, like, kind of a loveless home. So it kind of makes sense mm-hmm. the way she is in relationships. I – it was very confusing. She's basically been raised by her sister, who isn't very sisterly towards her most of the time. And, yeah, like, her father doesn't really care about her almost. Like, her sister is kind of cold to her. Like, the only person I feel like who was a parental figure in her life is Henry, the sister's husband. So her brother-in-law technically but she kind of sees him as a dad and like her natural blood family was just kind of either dead or bad to her so yeah that was very sad and it made me sad that only henry kind of supported her dream of being a scientist her dad didn't support her in it and that must be so hard like chasing your dreams with no support and then too realizing that your sister enjoys when you fail because that was made pretty obvious. She said, like, the only times her sister was nice to her and, like, wanted a relationship with her and stuff was when she would fail at something, and then her sister would be cold to her if she was succeeding. And it's like, that is no support system at all. So not only is she doing this really hard thing and breaking barriers and being a female scientist, but she has no support to do it except from Henry, who she's not even related to. So, yeah, she's definitely had a hard life and a hard upbringing, and she made the most of it. But it makes sense that, like, the first guy who, like, looks at her and gives her attention, she, like, falls over head over heel and into him because she just doesn't have any I feel like self-love and to know what she deserves yeah her self-worth definitely is lacking she doesn't know how much she has to offer like even Charlie talking about her he says several times like he doesn't think she knows how beautiful she is so it's like of course the first guy who tells her she's beautiful she's gonna give herself over to and never recover from like she has no idea the power she holds also in the beginning charlie kind of made me mad because he was like so demeaning with women like he was so talking down to every woman but it wasn't revealed until the end that he was just burned by women and that's why he hated them but he was like i forgot what he said exactly but he's like oh i want like nothing to do with them or like they're there's no like I'm so glad the FBI doesn't have any women working there. And I was like, <laughs> oh my god! And then you, it reveals that he's like was burned pretty badly, and that's why he has such strong feeling against against women. But I'm like, who is this guy? First, he's we don't even know. So the first like forty pages, I think he's just stalking her, and we have no re- we have no idea why. So this guy's like talking to her, and then the next minute we get to Charlie's point of view, and he like hates women. So I'm like, this guy's a jerk. But then we get to know him, and he's not a jerk. He, like, loves Rosalind and, like, wants to protect her all he can. And he, like, there's one girl that he was, like, enga- almost engaged to before the war. It came back from war with, like, no hand or a hand that doesn't work. And she just dumped him. So she had, he had his heart broken. And he's just a really nice guy. And we, at the beginning, I hated him. Yeah. I didn't like him stalking her. But, yeah, like, he... he... He could have been nicer at the beginning. He could have also not stalked her at the beginning. That makes me super uncomfortable. He could have... I, 
he could have just went up to her in the beginning. I guess maybe he didn't. I don't really know how the whole spy thing works, but... Um, well, like, what was the point of stalking her if you were just going to introduce yourself at some point anyway? Like, you already had her phone tapped. You already, like, knew everything about her. You didn't have to then creep her out by following her around everywhere. I don't know. Also, it made me so nervous that the FBI can just tap into any phone without, like, you knowing. I I feel like you hear that that can be a thing, but I never knew that actually was a thing. So, um, that was cool. <laughs> so, hello, FBI agent listening right now. Um, please be nice to us. <laughs> we read the Atomic Love. If you read it, please, <laughs> please listen along. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Oh, and so actually the next question is, what is your reaction upon learning about Rosalind's upbringing? How did you think she this shaped her into the woman she became, and how about Louisa, which we just answered? So I guess what are your opinions about her sister? I did not like her sister at all. It was hard for me to even have sympathy for her. I guess once we learned, like, why she was so bitter there at the end, I was like, okay, well, that explains why you're a miserable bitter person since the war but what explains your behavior before the war because based on what we know about Rosalind's childhood her sister I don't even remember her sister's name but her sister was always like bitchy to her and bitter and mean and then she has this like great excuse about after the war like oh well I felt so useful during the war I was in a management position and now I'm back to just my regular boring life and I don't have purpose and it's like well that's great but you are still kind of a bad person underneath that excuse so I I just didn't sympathize with her I didn't either I felt like she was only mean every time that Rosalind tried to like come like be be your friend or be there for her she just pushed her away and treated her like a kid and I just was like this is your sister I know you practically raised her but I'm not a big fan of Louisa the next question is who did you emphasize with or relate to most in the novel who do I relate to most emphasize with or relate who do you feel for I I guess I feel for Charlie the most right he likes his concentration camp stories (laughs) <laughs> no, because like, can you like, because uh, like, it was hard to even stomach those prisoner of war stories. I mean, I, I my dad's a big history buff, a big World War Two buff, and I know things like that are real. And the the way prisoners were treated in Japan was so terrible, and that's why like after World War Two, I think all the nations got together and were like, okay, guys, we can't do this again. We've got to put rules in place about how we treat prisoners, which I don't know if everyone follows or not but they're supposed to because like the prisoner camps are so bad so like hearing charlie's stories hearing how he can never escape that like he wakes up with nightmares he wakes up thinking he's still there but he's never really safe from those thoughts and like i don't know i just felt a lot for him i felt sad for him i felt like what a terrible thing that woman did to him leaving him after the war like saying she prayed for him every day and then seeing him and being like oh just kidding you're mangled now we won't be able to like have babies and like all this stuff you won't you won't even be able to hold a baby dude he still has one hand calm down um i don't know i was just like i felt for him he stole my heart and i just yeah i i don't relate to him on any level at all but i do (laughs) i do feel for him i felt really bad for him the next morning after they had sex for the first time and Rosalind's like, I just want to go home. <laughs> I, <laughs> it was like Harry's first time ever, like, opening up to someone again besides his sister. And he's, she's like, item out. 
<laughs> we banged. We're good. <laughs> it was a nice yeah. play. And I was like, and he was so sad. And I was like, poor guy, man. He can't win. But I, I also know. get like, she just wanted some space. But also, she should have just stayed there. Like, his sister was not that bad. Go downstairs. Sleep a little. Yeah. So what did you think about um, Zeke and Rosalind's friendship? Well, they were, uh, uh, I think they were good friends, obviously. I actually was pretty bothered that Zeke was so like, go Weaver, like you are soulmates with Weaver and yes, get back together with him. Cause I'm like, I would only ever encourage you to get back with an ex who burned you if it was something you really wanted to do and I was supporting you. If you were coming to me asking genuinely, like, I don't know what to do. He's coming back in my life and he hurt me so bad and I I still have these feelings, but he hurt me. I would be like, okay, let's think about this rationally, Kayla. I would not be like, no, he's your soulmate. Go get hurt again. Let's do it. I don't know. That really bothered me. But on the other hand, like he is her oldest, closest friend. He knows her best. I have to trust him on some level to know what's best for her. So it was fine. They were fine. He did give some pretty bad advice. He really did. (laughs) He's like, he left you high and dry, but like, it's fine. Go back to him. (laughs) She went right back to Weaver. Like, she gave, she didn't really put up that big of a fight. Oh, no. She, like, didn't answer his phone calls or whatever, but like, once he barged his way into her door of her apartment, they were, like, naked on the floor. Yeah. Didn't they, like, do it that same night that he came back in her life? I forget the exact timeline, but I'm pretty sure they did it fairly quickly. I, before Charlie was in the photo, I guess Charlie was always in the picture, I wasn't against Weaver in the beginning because I loved the whole passionate love thing. Like, when she talks, when she reflects back on her and Weaver's relationship, I, I didn't hate him back then, even though they didn't get married. I was just like, oh, like, they, like, love each other so much. But once, like, he dropped her and, like, came back like it was nothing I hated him but they sound like they had a pretty good relationship before that yeah I was not I was only anti-weaver because of things that progressed in the book like he put her he literally put her in harm's way also he could be with her again which it's like okay if you really love someone you have to think of them first and then two I became anti-weaver because I couldn't tell if he really loved her or if it was just like, I don't want to be alone when I die, so I'll just go back to her because I know she'll take me back because she has low self-esteem. So I I I did like their relationship pre where we picked up, like back during the war. I thought it was really nice how he respected her as a scientist and actually had a relationship with her beyond just, oh, I want you to marry me and have my babies and all that stuff. Like he respected her career and what she was contributing but once he broke her heart, I felt she should not have let him back in so easily. She really should have made him prove himself. And as it turns out, I personally don't feel like he was there for the right re- reasons. That's a good point about him dying, just not one dying alone. Because I think he even said it in the book, I don't want to die alone. He did. So I forgot about that. Yeah, no, I, I think he's scum now. Um, <laughs> oh, but... It's decided. It's decided, but <laughs> yeah, I don't understand why they like kind of advertise this as a love triangle. Because I get she is like sleeping with two men, but like she is teaming up with one man to sleep with the other man 
to get a secret. <laughs> it's not a love triangle because he's telling her to do that. Yeah, it was. I thought that was weird in general how like him and her, Charlie and uh, Rosalind are falling for each other. But the reason they're falling for each other is because Charlie's asking her to basically sleep with another guy. <laughs> it's like, wait, this is kind of messed up uh, on some weird Freudian level. But despite that, I agree. It wasn't really a love triangle. I felt like she was always going to have to be with Charlie. <sighs> the only reason I felt like she was with Weaver was because, as she said in the beginning, he's her drug. I feel like we all kind of have that person that if they came back in our lives, we just have a hard time resisting for for whatever reason, like, you know they're wrong for you, you know they're going to hurt you, but you can't resist them. Weaver was that to her. But, like, I that doesn't make for a long-term relationship. So, to me, it was never a love triangle because I knew her and Weaver were not going to make it. And he was dying. Like, <laughs> she had <laughs> no really choice. wasn't going to make it. <laughs> and even if she, she wanted not... to make it work, he was a goner. <laughs> yeah. For uh, real. Okay, another question was, so... Charlie and Weaver are very different personalities, yet Rosalind likes them both, feels very strongly about both. What qualities of each do you think drew her to each of them? And do you think, and it's, it asks here, do you think they made the right choice between the the two? But we just discussed there were some choices. So right. um, what do you think Rosalind loved in Weaver? And what do you think Rosalind loved in Charlie? Let's see. So with Weaver, I think, I think it's kind of like we already discussed. She had some self-worth issues from her childhood. And so him being one of the first guys who she realized was showing interest in her, obviously she's going to fall for that. So that's not really a quality she's falling for. That's just an idealization. But quality-wise, I think he actually did respect her as a scientist. And he asked her opinions. And he talked with her about science. And that was probably something men didn't generally do with her. So that was obviously a quality. And I love that about Weaver. I did love that he respected her and her brain. What else about Weaver? I think they had a mutual drinking problem. <laughs> yes. I do think they, they like, had really good um, intellectual debates, and that can just turn people on. Yeah, no, I think, I think they were actually very well matched as far as a couple goes because they were intellectually on the same page, both career-driven. I don't really know too much about Weaver. So that was one of the issues I had with this book was – there wasn't that much character development, in my opinion. So I don't have a lot to go on about Weaver qualities. I don't know if you have any others. I don't think I do either. And especially because he's like this whole secret agent the whole time. Like, do we even know him as really him? Yeah. No, I, I don't think we do. Even even at the end, if you wonder why he came back in her life, was it for good reasons or not? Like, was he just living a lie the whole time? I mean, he was married when he met her, and she never knew that. And he was married to a Russian. He was literally sent to the U.S. to get secrets. So, like, his whole life is a lie. So I don't know if we actually know the real Weaver or not. Also, where did he go in those two years that, like, they did, or how many years they didn't talk? I don't even know if it was two. Maybe it was four. It was four years. I was that ever discussed? No, I think he continued to work where they were working because he had the same apartment as when they slept together and he talked together and when they were together like during the war um he he never oh. changed his apartment oh, lily just left she's like i am done <laughs> i mean it was a boring book for her to sit in on not a boring book for cutting that part out <laughs> <laughs> 
anyway, Weaver. We I don't know if we know where he went for those two years. I think he continued to work at the university because he still talks about working there, and he he had the same address. Like I'm not sure he oh. left. So yeah, why uh, would was, he come back then? I thought he was yeah. just gone, and then he came back to Chicago, and he reached out to her. I didn't realize he never left Chicago, so that's even weirder. Like, he just came yeah. literally out of the blue. He found I, out I, he was dying, and he popped up on her doorstep. Exactly. And I could be wrong on that, but the author never says where he went in those two years. And for me, the clues point to he was still there. I mean, the whole reason he wrote the letter getting her fired, according to Weaver, is that the the girl he was married to, Clements or whatever, um, the secret Russian spy, Clements, she forced him to write that letter to get Rosalind fired because she didn't want him working with her. So in my mind, he continued to work there after Rosalind got fired. So yeah, it's almost like he found out his diagnosis and was like, okay, well, I want to spend the last couple months of my life with Rosalind. She'll take me back. I won't die alone. We had good love making. Maybe he loved her. Probably he loved her on some level, but I don't know if we really know. Yeah, so overall, it's a weird timeline of the book. I feel like sometimes I get like a little lost. Mm-hmm. I did like the ending. I felt like it went from like 0 to 100. I went from like, sh- well, I guess it wasn't from 0 to 100. Like it was a build up. But the whole ending was just like the last like 100 pages, 50 pages were all just everything happened and everything unfolded and all the secrets were revealed. And I was very shocked about the letter that was left in the P.O. box. I don't really remember the letter. <laughs> oh, the whole, like, revealing everything to the FBI. Oh, uh, you were surprised that he came clean? It's, yeah. Uh, I thought yeah. he was going to die with all the secrets, and the only thing they had left is what he told Rosalind, which, like, I mean, he told her a lot, but he didn't tell her enough. And I didn't expect him to leave this whole big letter to the FBI explaining everything in detail. Yeah. One redeeming thing that Weaver did, uh, besides that he's still scum. Yeah. <laughs> qualities of Charlie. We didn't actually talk about Charlie, oh. but I, qualities of Charlie, if we want to briefly discuss, I felt like she was attracted to his kindness, his gentleness. He wanted to protect her. He wasn't like necessarily super intellectual man, but he was smart and kept up and interested in what she did and interested in her, um, which I think girls just, like to be to have someone interested in this <laughs> so i i think with both of them maybe her self-esteem played into it slightly but i feel like charlie's intentions were actually good and i think he made her feel safe which she's never had in her life like even in her childhood there was like no one to like hug her or keep her safe besides her like step-brother-in-law her, not her, step, her brother-in-law so I feel like this is the first man to, like, make him feel safe because we were definitely didn't make her feel safe at all. Like, he put her more at <laughs> risk every second of the day. So, yeah, I like Charlie a lot. I kind of forget some qualities about him because, again, they don't, like, they describe what he's been through and what he does now. But I feel like we don't know Charlie that well either. Yeah. No, I agree. Like I said, the character development, there's not enough for me to know about each character. So... Overall, like, 
the timeline's a little fuzzy, but the story behind it all is really interesting. But the characters, like, they're kind of forgettable characters to me now. Like, I had, and I read it, like, four days ago, and I had to remind myself, I had to look it up. I'm like, who's in this book? Yeah. Granted, I have yeah. read a couple books in between, but <laughs> but did you like the ending of the book? I did. I liked the ending. I started getting interested in the book around chapter 14. It literally took me 14 chapters to even find an interest in this book. And once it started picking up with, like, the spy stuff, I was definitely more interested. And then the ending I was frustrated with because I felt like they both reacted fine. So Rosalind applies for another scientist job or lecture or not a lecture. I guess she's going to be a scientist, uh, which I was happy about. Like, good. That's what you want to do. But then the job's going to take her far away from Charlie, which is like, oh, sad. Charlie, be mad about it. And instead, Charlie just kind of, like, withdraws, thinks about it, and he's like, yeah, you should go to Idaho. And I'm like, fight for this woman, Charlie. And he, like, didn't. They were both just like, okay, we'll get married when I get back. It's only a couple months. It'll be fine. And I was like, they are so rational. (laughs) I thought it was weird. You thought it was weird? I just feel like you finally find someone you want to be with the rest of your life. You're, like, pretty old to get married in the 50s. Like, you're 30 she and I don't, does she want to have kids because she's running the clock's running out they don't have mm-hmm. the sciences they don't have the science skills that we have right now so like <laughs> you kind of gotta hurry there and she's like oh i'm just gonna go to idaho like i'll see you soon like i maybe i pick love i mean i love my career and i would pick my career first in my 20s but if i find the per- if i found my true love and like it's under my like he's the one i honestly think i would probably pick him over my career and i can probably find another job anywhere that was my issue as well, actually, is the whole, it, and I actually found the page at the very end when she's like, of course I want to marry you, but I don't want to just become another housewife. You mean everything to me. And he goes, not everything, it seems. And I was like, that's right, Charlie. Apparently you don't mean everything to her because she does value her career and her status above you. And I guess if that's what you value, that's fine as long as the communication's there and he knows his place. But I was just kind of shocked because it's like she wants to be married. Her problem with Weaver was he wouldn't marry her. Now she finally finds the man she wants to spend her life with and she's willing to leave him for a time. So clearly he doesn't mean everything to her. And she only applied to like two jobs. I'm sure there's other jobs in Chicago. Like Chicago's a pretty big city. Like I feel like if she applied to more jobs, she would have had a job in Chicago. Yeah, like, she worked on the Manhattan Project. I get that she's a woman, and she's limited at what job she's going to be offered, so maybe that was the problem. Like, you and me have a lot of mobility. We could apply anywhere, and our female status isn't hopefully going to hurt us. But with her, maybe she's thinking, okay, well, this might be the only job offer I get as a scientist, so I better take it. Like, maybe that plays a a part in her brain. I don't know. But I'm like, you worked on the Manhattan Project. You have status. And also, I'm pretty sure Weaver cleared her name, and she she talked to Fermi about it. And so she's going to get a glowing recommendation wherever she goes. I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I was a little confused. Yeah, I, maybe we're just both the hopeless romantics, but I I <laughs> think deep down, eventually, if I was older, I would probably pick love over my career. And for anyone wondering why we're not being like, well, why didn't Charlie go with her? There were reasons, I guess, like. Charlie's in the FBI, can't just get assigned anywhere. Maybe maybe we should be picking at Charlie, too, and being like, oh, Charlie, you should have followed her. 
But, I mean, at the end of the day, a relationship's a compromise, and what they decided on was they were going to go pursue their careers separately and hope that in a few months they'd come back together. Also, we live in the 21st century. If we did long distance, we would have FaceTime, and we, and it's so much easier to just, like, hop on a plane nowadays or drive, and, like, there's just so many more options for us to see our loved ones, whereas in they had, like, dial phones and... It was probably you talk to them on the phone like once in a, a couple days. They probably mostly wrote letters. Yeah, it like take days. Whereas like we can send a text message to the person we care about. Like me and Marissa have not been together in what seven months, but I mm-hmm. talk to you I think every day. Yeah, <laughs> I talk to you more than my family, and I live with my family. So. <laughs> like I talk to you every day. We so I feel like nowadays, maybe like I feel like you have that flexibility of being far away and like still feeling close and still being in contact all the time. But back then, like when you went away, you were away and you didn't really talk to that person. Maybe we're like thinking away like too far along. Maybe they had stuff in the fifties that we just don't know about. Again, we're not history buffs, um, but and we're like. <laughs> 23 24 years old so like whatever but are you wait, are you 25 i'm 25 uh okay. calling me out i am turning 24 this month so it'll be 24 25 like maybe we're just too young to know what they had back then but yeah i think that would be a, another like a different story with us it would be a different story if they were living in this time nowadays but you know we i don't i even if there is a sequel i don't think i'll read it <laughs> <laughs> Well, I feel like we learned our issues with sequel when we watched, when we read um, Wild at Heart. Sometimes the sequels just don't live up to the first book. They really don't. I'm, like, scarred from that. Like, because there was just so much love between Simple Wild. Like, I loved Simple Wild. And then we read Wild at Heart. I was like, this book could be, like, 200 pages less and you'd have the same point. Yeah. I, and, and sometimes I love sequels. Like, I love series. I love Harry Potter. I loved, like, sometimes you need the sequel, but sometimes you don't. And I feel like you just got to know when you need it and when you don't. You don't need it for this book. No, there's no cliffhanger. I feel like, I I don't, why did she have to, I just don't understand why she had to pick a job in Idaho. Why could she just get a job in Chicago and call it a day? But that's just yeah. me wanting a happy ending. Yeah, this book didn't leave me warm and fuzzy inside. It's not romantic. It's not, like, warm and fuzzy. It's just, like, normal life I guess which isn't what we read for (laughs) we want fakeness we want Marissa wants sadness I want love what I would have loved out of this book is if both if she had chosen Weaver and then Weaver died and so then she's like well I'll be with Charlie and Charlie died trying to save Weaver and they both died and then she's like left alone and sad with her scientific thoughts and no one loves her that would have been the perfect ending for me (laughs) Oh my god! We went for different things, and I'm like, I hope, I wish you just would have stayed in Chicago and they would have got married and had kids. Like that's what I wanted. <laughs> okay, you, so what what yeah. would you rate this book? I mean, man, I you know I was not a fan, which we didn't talk about why. So this rating oh. came out of the blue. We should talk about the rating and you should say the rating and explain why. Okay, I when I read this on Goodreads, I gave it a two. I pretty much stand by that. Honestly, I didn't even want to give it a two. I was so frustrated with the writing style. Um, this writing style, she writes in the uh, third person narrative. So like 
uh, omnipotent. She's like, she, the narrator knows everything about the characters, which is good because that means you get more insight into each of the characters. Whereas like when it's first person, if we're reading this from Rosalind's point of view, we'd only have Roz's view. So I was like, okay, this is going to be good. Like this is a, a good narration. Oh, there were so many grammar errors. I was just like frustrated every time I saw one. I was like, who, who edited this? I don't understand. And then on top of that, the the I told Kayla this. There's this whole thing in writing called show don't tell. You're not supposed to say the water is blue. You're supposed to paint such a vivid picture that the reader knows the water is blue without you saying the water is blue. Like I, I, it's just a thing. It's just a thing in writing. <laughs> I'm like getting so mad talking about this. I felt like this author just told us, like told us everything. Like just. A bullet point list, even like the the conversation between the characters to me just felt so like robotic, like someone had typed something into a computer and the computer was reading it back at us. I don't know. I just I as a as someone who wants to be a published author someday, like I hate critiquing another author so harshly because I would probably cry if someone said this about something I wrote. But at the same time, like this was a book of the month pick. And I was so caught up on the writing that I couldn't even fall in love with the story the way Kayla did. And that's very frustrating because I wanted to love the story. I wanted to like get involved because the plot was so good. And I just, I couldn't, I was stuck on the writing. So that is why I gave it a two. I know that's really harsh. I know I'm in the minority, but that, that's, that's how I feel, I guess. <laughs> well, that's how you really think. Um, <laughs> How did you like the book? <laughs> I'm gonna give it a three. I didn't. I love. I liked the story. I didn't love the story. I didn't dislike the story. It didn't make me warm and fuzzy inside, but I didn't really have an issue with it. It was a good mix of pace for me. I was reading too much romance novels in there, so I gave it a three, which makes our average at two point five, which I think this is the lowest book. And wow. I'm surprised because we really didn't love The Wild at Heart, but we did not. <laughs> But we apparently loved it more than this. (laughs) I am excited for our next book. So the next book we're going to read is... Marissa? Uh, Little Fires Everywhere. I don't know who it's by. (laughs) Marissa picked this one out. I'm going to get I know it's not a recent book. I don't think it was... was, It's been out for a minute. Like, there's a TV show about it that I'm sure you guys know about. So I'm just excited to read a really popular book. I really hope it's good. And I'm excited to read more thrillers because I like this. I like the suspense a little bit. Yeah, I, I think it's a happy fires... ending. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if Little Fires Everywhere will have a happy ending or not. I, as a disclaimer, have started it, and it has a very not happy beginning. So I'm not sure what the ending will hold for us. But I think it'll be a really great introduction for our like October thriller books, like thrillers and mysteries, because it's definitely got the air of like a mystery, not like not like detective style, but like you don't really know what's going on. There's something dark, but you're not sure what it is. And I'm just I'm so excited for it. I actually have no idea what it's about. So I'm I'm excited to start it too. And hopefully Marissa is moving to New York soon, so we'll be recording in person, which we hope we can do. I know. Guys, if you live in New York and you're listening to this and you need a roommate and you're not creepy and you want to live with me, let me know. (laughs) If you're creepy but the rent's cheap, I'll still consider you. (laughs) Oh, boy. Uh, Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, we're hoping to... <laughs> no comment. Awkward. Uh, <laughs> okay, we gotta start. We gotta give her goodbye. <laughs> Thank you all for listening to us. Let us know what you think about Atomic Love. As you see, we have kind of mixed feelings again like about it against what everyone has been reviewing it on social media and such. So let us know what you think about it and... Let us know if you read Little Fires Everywhere because we're going to read next. And we hope you listen to our next episode and have a good day. Bye. Bye.